Good evening, and welcome to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Oh, nothing. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. We're gonna we're gonna have an optimistic take on the the near future tonight, right? We will try. We will try. <laughs> we will try. Yes. Welcome, everybody. Um, we're excited. We're gonna we're on our regular schedule, and we are talking actual JMU sports, which begin, we hope, knock on wood, next week. Um, we can't. We had Coach O'Regan from women's basketball on last week. If you didn't get a chance to listen, we fully encourage you to go back and listen. It's a, such a good episode. Uh, he gave us so much time, and it's super in depth on the women's program, which we expect big, big things out of this year. Uh, I certainly hope that we aren't the COVID jinx after that show, Rob. Oh man, I felt bad. About God, that. I didn't even want to joke about it. But um, but yes, go back and listen to Coach O. Uh, we do not have any coaches. It's just us tonight, but we are going to talk a lot of men's hoops. Um, kind of a, a, I don't know, a, a who knows what the future holds episode uh, coming up tonight. And But we did want to touch on a couple of football notes. One, Rob, I don't know if I even talked to you about this one, but it did see uh, just some kind of bittersweet news and then news about how that's going to be replaced. Uh, the Dukes lost Isaac Ukwu to injury in practice recently. And it looks like he's going to be out for the spring season. So that is, um, you know, a real bummer for a guy that had high hopes for himself and that the program had high hopes for. Uh, but I did see Greg Medea's report that they're going to move Mike green to defensive end. And I have to say the Jalen green, Mike green defensive end combination does take me, <laughs> does bring up after last week watching that, um, what game was that we watched? The 08 App State game yeah. with uh, Moats and Sam Daniels on the two ends. Uh, d- does give me hope. I guess that uh, Signetti said that the transfer, the huge transfer from Central Florida, uh, Mason Cholowa, which I'm probably pronouncing incorrectly, uh, but he looks really ready to fill in at defensive tackle for Mike Green. Uh, they've got a, you know Thurston, Gruel, some guys that played pretty significant minutes last year at the tackle spot. Uh, so I guess I'm, you know, for bittersweet reasons, I, I'm certainly excited for what it means for Mike Green's opportunity this year to flash uh, for a guy who has hopes going, for, you know, for a next level career. But that that was kind of the one serious football piece of news. Well, yeah, um, it was it was kind of a big deal because you're taking a guy who's one of your most talented players mm-hmm. and moving him to a position of need. So I don't know whether that's just, hey, you know, players make plays, next man up sort of thing, or if the other side of it is a little bit of a reason for concern, you know, with this injury, are they really scrambling where they got to take a guy who is preseason all America and I'm changed position senior year. Um, I I'm trying to be more optimistic and I think there's good reason to be optimistic. This is just a case where you've got an uber talented guy who -hmm. can play a very important position when the team needs him to. So um, I know some people are questioning whether or not that was like a bad thing. Is that a harbinger or bad news? I think it just is what it is. And, And you got, a guy who needs to step up. Um, it, it is, it is exciting to think about what he can do as an edge rusher mm-hmm. and, and to see what he can do kind of, I mean, are we reading too much into it? If we think that he's maybe the guy on the, on the defense this year, they're, they're putting a lot on him, having changed positions like that. To me, that's a big sign of confidence. Yeah. I mean, I think both greens now, both defensive yeah. ends are the, the big, big names on the defense this year. Uh, you know, there's a couple guys back in the backfield too, but um, Wayne Davis, I think. Is yeah, yeah, guy. yeah. I mean, there's, but, and I don't know. I mean, look, <laughs> the kid from Central Florida is like a 300 plus pounder yep. at D tackle. Like, 
there may be something legit there that just comes down to it's easier to replace our defensive tackle than it is to replace our defensive end. I, you know, I, I don't, yeah, we're probably, I mean, there's no doubt losing Ukwu really hurts. I, I mean, especially having lost Adib to, to UVA to the transfer this fall. I mean, there was going to be some scrambling on the line mm-hmm. and losing Ukwu hurts. I mean, that was another guy that I think everybody had high hopes for. I don't know that the switching position my thought would be we're probably reading into it too much to worry about whether Mike Green is switching positions. I My guess is they're just trying to get the best four guys on the line, um, however they have to do that. So, you know, Mike Green wasn't – he's a great player. He wasn't like an absolute monster in terms of size on the inside no. or something. You know, it, I mean, he strikes me as a guy who will be able to, to play well on the outside as well. So, um, I don't know. I, I mean – to me, if the two guys, if whoever the, they are able to use in the inside holds up, I think green and green on the outside really gives you a chance to do something without having to send a lot of extra pressure. So, yeah, that's yeah. kind of how I'm looking at it too. Yeah. Like it, it, this is reasoned. It, it's not ideal. You'd rather have Uku and everybody there. But if you're taking a guy who's got the attributes or all the attributes to be a really good edge rusher, mm-hmm. it's pretty exciting as well. So, and you'd have to think, right, even if Uku had been there, they probably would have done a little bit of this stunting down in distance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at times just in the rotation. So yeah, nothing to panic about yet. Uh, but that was a little bit of a bummer and we wish, uh, Isaac well in his recovery. Hopefully we'll see him back next fall. So, and then just one more thing on football that I don't know if you read anything about it, but it does sound like the offense or certainly the the running game was really Mm -hmm. clicking. Good. Signetti had some really good things to say about the receivers didn't really call anybody out in particular, but just said he was no longer concerned about the unit, you mm-hmm. know, and he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to panic. He's been coaching forever. He's down, right. dealt with roster turnover and things like that. But um, I, I, you can go back and check the quote, but I think it was yeah, yeah. Like, it's no longer a position I worry about. So he just was, it seems to me when you go through it, like, yeah, they lost a lot. I think the top four receivers, but they're really deep at the position as we saw with, with the transfer. Um, yeah. You know, who, who was it? Uh, uh, who just it, left? Entered the portal. It, it's yeah, yeah. No, I know. And now was it Dean? It. Was it, it no? Was it Dean? No, it's um, no. Yeah, no. I don't know. Here we are spreading I, I rumors. One <laughs> of our players who's played a good Jake bit Brown. Left, Jake, Jake Brown. Left, Jake Brown. Jake Brown. Um, yeah, who was a pretty you know, talented player. Um, yeah, had some big moments the last couple of years. Had some yeah. big moments, but he decided to move on. So it's a deep position. I don't think there's anybody who's jumping out as a you know Stapleton or or Poke type guy. But I, I think there's potential there, and certainly with the running game. That That's what I was going to say. I mean, if they get good health on the offensive line, we know what we have back in the backfield in terms of running backs. The receivers are going to be, you know, in a great position to succeed. You know, I, I just feel like the play-action game and everything they're going to do, guys are going to have opportunities if they just do. You're going to need to know, put just it in the box, play, James, Just you know. make the plays that are there to be made, sort of. I mean, I, you know, they're not going to need – you know, massive Brandon Polk type, you know, highlights every play. They they need guys to step up. And it sounds like Signetti's pretty excited about that. So well it goes back to a couple of years ago with every single preview we wrote for every game. Mm-hmm. We just talked about running the game, running game, and then the receivers will go over the top once or twice and make a big yeah. play. And that's really all it takes. Like it changes the whole dynamic if you need to sell out to stop the run. Yes. Um, then you just need a couple guys, you know, a couple big plays to move the chains and mm-hmm. you're off and running. So yeah, it sounded whoever, like the defense has a little bit of work to do, but I'd expect that. 
with mm-hmm. turnover. You know, it's a much more experienced offensive unit. Mm-hmm. Some of the things we just talked about with, with injuries. So it sounded like a pretty successful November oh. camp, or whatever yeah. we'd call it. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, in, in the time of, of COVID, it sounded like they got out there. They got their 13 practices. The QB battle is still very much a battle if we're taking uh-huh. everything at, at face value. Uh-huh. Supposedly, Maloney, I think they said, played started off really strong and Cole closed really strong. Mm-hmm. Signetti says it's absolutely still undecided and it's going to go into January, which is a weird thing to think about. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no um, kidding. But again, like I'm, I'm not concerned. This doesn't strike me as anything near like the Mickey Matthews QB battles where it just seemed like a little bit of a free for all. Right. I, I believe coach Signetti that both guys are just pushing pushing the other one. I don't think it's a case mm-hmm. of like, oh crap, what are we gonna do? You know, who's gonna be the Jace Edwards of this of this and just kind of get it by default. Um, yeah. And I think you can probably say to a kid more than you've ever said to a kid, we're gonna need two quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, <laughs> you're both gonna probably play yeah. for one reason or another um in this 2021 season. So yeah, I mean I I think that's a good position to be in. I'm with you. I think the offense, I, I think the defense too. I mean, with all the turnover, it's just got to be a hard thing uh, until you really get to look at it in 11 on 11 full pads. It's hard to, the, the defense has, is going to be tougher to put together this year. I think, I mean, we're seeing it in the NFL and, and other parts of college football that are playing right now, that scoring is up and the defenses have generally struggled. Cause I think there is more of a sink, you know, like you need to, it defense takes time playing together and most teams don't have much time playing together as a full unit right this year. So I, yeah, and there's I no like- better example of that than the 2016 JMU championship team where the defense really mm-hmm. didn't round into form until about this time of the year. Yeah. You know, yep. and then really hit its stride in the this time of the calendar year. Yeah. Yes, some of the calendar. Yes. Year. Yes. yes. Mm. No, that's exactly right. So I, I, I think their talent there and hopefully they can figure it out. I did see the, um, they got a transfer kicker from Bridgewater. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who's been hitting some long field goals? Maybe he'll be doing kickoffs. It sounds like, and then potentially long field goal tries if they need it. Uh, but I, I think he has more than I don't know if he. Is this his last year? I don't know. Anyways, it'll be nice to have. You know, Racky's been really reliable kicker, but it'd be nice to have another. Same thing. It's another another thing where it just would be nice to know there's a quality backup if needed. <laughs> Well, given everything we've seen from the sports that have given it a go, yeah, this there's never yeah. been yeah. a time where, where really you, you know, one to whatever, you mm-hmm. need everybody on the roster to be prepared to get out yeah. there on the field at any given week. So Yeah, and um, I was just kind of excited to see a kid like the same way that D'Angelo and Adib went up to UVA, you know, took this opportunity. I thought it was kind of cool to see a kid from Bridgewater come down the street and get an opportunity, you know, to kick in Bridgeforth and yeah. potentially play in the playoffs too, you know? So <laughs> that'd be cool to see. Um, the other football item we had tonight, unless you did Rob is, is a, we just wanted to, um, <laughs> we wanted to have laugh. a little fun, a little laugh tonight. Um, I don't know if anybody saw, uh, <laughs> but the East Carolina pirates were getting hammered, which there's no shame in getting hammered by Cincinnati who no, they were getting curb stomped. It was yeah. Not- and Cincinnati is a, you know, I, honestly, I mean, uh, Cincinnati and BYU look like playoff worthy 
group of five or I don't know, BYU. I don't know what, whether they're group, they don't really count as group of five, but you know, there are two teams, at least two teams in FBS that are outside the traditional They're trying to crash the playoffs. They're trying to cast the playoffs and they are destroying people on purpose. And they kind of need to, um, to have any chance at that. And one of them is Cincinnati and they were kicking the turd out of ECU this week. And at the end of the game, uh, with this, I think it was, I don't know what the score was, but it was a lot to not a lot. And Cincinnati ran a fake punt <laughs> and I, I'd heard some things along the way that the kid, it was a direct snap to the up back. Yeah. And I've, I've heard here and there that it may have been a, an automatic check for the up back. Like if you see, you know, on film, if you see this uh, coach, claims check he didn't it. Call it, but yeah. right. And he, the kid's a senior and it's kind of like one of these things. I don't know if that's fake news, what the story is, but in any case, Cincinnati did run a fake punt up like 55, 21 or something. Mm-hmm. And coach Houston of East Carolina, um, and Jay for, now. Ufame, for now, um, Look, we love Coach Houston. We, we, you know, he did an incredible job at JMU, and we don't mean to, you know, have too much fun at his expense. But he had a long conversation with Cincinnati's coach following the game that appeared to be um, rather upset with running a fake punt while getting beat. And Rob and I, we immediately were inundated in the uh, social media world by a, a lot of people reminding us that JMU once beat Rhode Island eighty-four to seven. Yeah. during Houston's tenure among many other like some Moorhead State games some like really some Robert Morris I mean it's yeah. just, yeah. And it's just I, a little I, bit. I tweeted something out to that effect yeah, yeah. On, on my personal account and I don't have any followers like I, I put all the effort into the JMU when I ignore but it was like you know a lot of people chiming in I don't understand the people that were trying to defend Houston in the sense that like no it was different against Rhode Island 77 points is 77 points. <laughs> I mean, just period. And call me a troglodyte, say I'm not doing thorough analysis. Like, oh, it was different because they downed it. Well, he didn't call for him to down it until Trey Sharp ran down and down. Like, that was yeah, Trey, yeah. Trey Sharp being kind. Brian Shore was in there up 63 to 7. You know, right. they were throwing. Brian Shore, to get to 70, I think they th- Shore threw a pass, I think, at 63. It you know, they had the starter. They're like, oh, it was all backups. Yeah. And arguably your program's top quarterback, you know, in right, history right, right. played a full three quarters. Like there's no justifying that, you know, and, and oh, we, they knelt down in the end. I think they scored, you know, right up until, or, I mean, certainly the, the end of the fourth quarter. And then there were other times it was like a 70, 70 to three thing. They just destroyed people. Yes. And it was kind of unseemly. We were in the stands for a lot of those games. It's a little bit like, eh, you know, you get a little bit icky, but then you're like, well, it's their job to stop them. Um, like you said about the the up, the up back calling his mm-hmm. own number. Yeah. I remember we did get very excited. Wasn't it Sheely that scored, I think, the last touchdown? I think you're right. Island? So like, yeah. it's. There's all kinds of reasons. There's all kinds of reasons. Happen. Like it's, yeah. it's just, it's football. It, it is harder to take in a college situation. Um, you know, where they're not being paid and everything like that. But there there are a bunch of guys in America who have no room to complain about people running up the score. Mike Houston <laughs> is at the front of the line. Yeah, yeah, I mean, cool. just, and this yeah. goes back, like, I don't want to sound like a jilted lover here. I, I was a big fan of his teams and everything. Um, people can check the receipts. You and I have text messages going way back to even when things were riding high. 
I've never understood this notion that he was the picture of virtue. He was a football coach and he wanted to win football games and he was really, as hell. really good football coach. Really, really good. Right. And he was a great good coach. motivator. Great, great coach. motivator. Yeah. Good, but like he he's a yeah. flawed we're flawed. Like we're flawed. the right. idea that he exactly. walked on water. And there's still there are people that go way bitter and are like all mad about it. But like the guy, he had a whole stick and and this whole he convinced a lot of people. Mm-hmm. but he was just a super competitive guy yes. and he <laughs> ran the score up week in and week out against weaker opponents. And it's, I'm sorry. It, it's funny. It's funny yeah. to see him complain. It was, it was funny. To it's watch. just yeah. funny. I don't, it's yeah. not funny for any of the guys in East Carolina, the actual players. I know they're working hard, but it's just like, take your licking, you know, it's like, a, and I think like I can understand being annoyed. I can understand using that as a motivator. Mm-hmm. Oh, they disrespected us. You just look kind of weak and like whiny. Yeah. When you make that thing, you see Pat McAfee. Yeah, and it also the softest it, coach in America. Yeah, I mean, the thing that sucks, and I, I don't, I, you know, I'm not trying to defend him. It, it did say he got screwed. They got screwed. ECU got screwed the week, was couple it, the weeks week before, earlier. A couple yeah. weeks earlier. I mean, obviously they've been a little bit on tilt about this and pr- pretty. You know, I don't know, but at the same time, like we're saying, I. Somebody pointed out to me, Rob, that I, at some point that uh, I think the final score of the Cincinnati ECU game was the exact final score of the Lock the Damn Gates JMU New yeah. Hampshire game. <laughs> so it's and look, that's a playoff game, the playoff team. Um, but Cincinnati views itself as a playoff team or a playoff aspirant um, and, and viably so. Right. I mean, even even the naysayers this year would say that this is the kind of year where a team might have a shot at something like that. So I don't know. I just, yeah, it was really rich and it reminded it. We both got a chuckle because we were laughing about all the, you know, there's a long, long and storied and colorful and wonderful history in college football in particular of issues around running up the score. Yeah. Right. I mean, the Miami Notre Dame years, mm-hmm. um, I, I think about Spurrier saying you can't spell citrus without UT. Yep. I mean, just a couple of years ago, all the fun we've had with Old Dominion going to a running clock or shutting the game down early against North Carolina. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you got to stop people at some point. If you don't want to get your ass kicked, then stop them a little bit. But ECU think- and Cincinnati are in the same conference. They're not, this is not, you know, this isn't a like, I mean, Saban actually does a great job most years when they play their FCS game of trying to keep it in some semblance of reasonableness, right? Uh, Shashevsky tends to do this with basketball as well. But Sabin is doing that as much to coach for the next game as any Correct. type of kindness. It is not the benevolent Nick Saban. No, no, no. It I is, how can I use that. this? To, you know, yeah. Right. No, but it, 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 it is there's a ways bit like to I'm do not going to show up this coach on the other sideline, you know, where I feel like Cincinnati ECU are conference rivals. At some point, it's not about the coach on the other sideline. I mean, I don't know, right? And, I think the point you made earlier, though, like they're trying to crash the playoffs and they need to have like a bombastic record. They need to do, they need to have things jumping off the page. Right. It's probably and good you, for them to win 55 21 with a yes. fake punt controversy and be on SportsCenter more because of it. Right. <laughs> you know, like, and, and yeah. you can't, you can't beat East Carolina 28 21 or even 40 no. to 21 and expect to, to crash 
the beat the, the playoffs. Yeah. The playoffs. Like you need to be blowing the doors off of people. Yeah. And I'm sorry, that's life. But they also they need to back it up next year. They're gonna need to play them again. Like they're not oh, running yeah. and hiding. That's the best revenge, right there. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't you know a, a buy game that <laughs> yeah. That that's JMU what I meant. Had. They're not playing Morehead State here. Yeah. Or Robert Morris. Or they're Sam playing Houston their conference State. opponent. Just, and I'm sure Houston and JMU viewed it that way when they played Rhode Island. Like this is yeah. a team in our conference and. We're going to, you'll get your shot next year. You know, like, but also, I mean, it's like uh, people pointed that like Houston, you know, found Jesus with five minutes left in the fourth quarter. They were up like 50 points at halftime. Right, Pull the right, starters. Right. Pull right. the damn starters. I remember that's what was annoying me. I was like, if Shore gets hurt up right. 60 points, yeah, there'll be, it's like, I just, I don't buy it. And it's the Scheidenfruit. It, it's too much for me. <laughs> I yeah. don't think he's a bad guy. No, I don't think he was no, a bad we're guy not for saying that. And he's the great, he's a great coach. He took us to the national championship, took Absolutely. us back to almost another one. Fun yeah, I mean, um, look, he built this team. I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum, the, the progression through the last three, four coaches at JMU. But, you know, we're not trying to, we, we just enjoyed the moment the other night. It's just <laughs> funny. It, I mean, yes. it would, it would be like us complaining about people being snarky on Twitter or, right. or, or making fun of Richmond. You know, it's yeah. just like, <laughs> own it coach. You're a guy who just goes all out, balls to the wall and yeah. beats people mercilessly. Yeah. And now you're in a situation where you can't, I, right. I don't know. Like, and what, what message does that send to your team? Yeah, it's that not, was, it's not, I, it's yeah. not like, oh, coach is fighting mad. He looked like he was saying like, oh man, did you need to do that? You know, right. it just, I don't get it. Like it just, to me, you'd like, almost it, be better off to do the like curt handshake, like clearly, you know, show that you're angry and almost the not guy. handshake. Yeah, yeah. And walk or off storm the field, off. storm off and be mad in the press conference than, than to like, sort of go over there and have a heart to heart about it. Yeah. Well, that was the one bit that actually I didn't enjoy at all. Cause I was like, man, he, he's losing his confidence. Uh, and I, yeah. I, you know, you know, it's just, it, to me, it was like, there's no fight. There's no, it was just like a whimper. Yeah. I haven't followed closely enough to know sort of how things stand down there. I, I feel bad for any coach in any situation in this year. I'm, yeah. I mean, I, not to say I feel bad for, any of these, you know, Michigan or Penn State or Nebraska or these guys who, you know, make millions of dollars, but or Mush- I, it, getting two hundred seventy grand a month for the well, next I don't feel bad thirty nine months because he not never should have been hired in the first place. Exactly. But the other guys, like I, I don't know what to make of the 2020, 2021 football season. And you know, if you're a kid on Penn State right now, I don't know. I'm probably packing it in, right? <laughs> I don't know if I'm really showing up too like too aggressively next week. No, I mean, now well, that I'm that, not that guy from Louisville like, opted out this morning. Right. I, I mean, I, 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 I don't more. know. I, I keep wondering about that as they keep rescheduling these games and pushing them further and further down the line. Like if you're one of the last guys standing on LSU, are you really getting motivated to play, you know, Mississippi state in the last week of the season? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. know. I, I've I, never been an elite athlete, so I can't right. really relate. Me neither. But, but if I was, I saw I saw very clearly an eye to eye sort of thing when Fournette and McCaffrey and those guys started skipping bowl games. It didn't matter. Yeah. If I was an NFL prospect and I was on LSU or Louisville or one of these teams where you're out of it, yeah. I'm out really hard. I'm yeah. out. I'm, and it's I'm, the it, hardest it ain't worth sport. COVID it's the hardest sport. Um, to me, it's just the most difficult sport in terms of if you don't have the motivation, 
it's really, really tough to, to do anything resembling your best effort. Right. I mean, you know, in baseball, like you're, you know, you play baseball, right. And I know these kids play football too, but you probably don't have, you know, you don't have a significant chance of life altering injury on a given play. What if you're playing tennis or baseball or even soccer or basketball, right? I mean, where these kids have to get up for football games and be a hundred percent on it. And it, when you're not, it goes South in a hurry. And that's how you end up with Penn state and Nebraska playing a dog of a game mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in a season. They both had high hopes for. So, and then throwing a pandemic and it's yeah, like, that's forget what I mean. about yeah. it. Forget yeah, about yeah. it. Forget there's about there's it. no way. I, I think right. we're going to see a lot of people as these games get canceled. Yeah. When they get rescheduled, if they get rescheduled, mm-hmm. you're going to see a lot of starters that are just out. Certainly ones with NFL aspirations. Well, and I worry about it for the spring season for JMU. I mean, we don't need to get ahead of ourselves. But, you know, to me, it seems like JMU is going to be, you know, with decent health and upturning the way things are going. I, You know, I don't have any reason to think they won't be in contention till the end of the season. Um, but, yeah, you just wonder what, <laughs> what what's it going to be like for Richmond the second time around or something, you know, I don't know. Houston's already made comments about just trying to almost treating this like a, like an exhibition season. Yeah. And I don't even mind that really. I mean, I don't know how else you sell your program. Right. I mean, you're not. Yeah. I mean, Ohio state will be there in the end. Right. I mean, Notre Dame, Clemson, Alabama seem appeared to be like, they'll probably be there in the end. But other than the BYUs and the Cincinnati's, I don't know who keeps their motivation. So Anyways, that's probably enough football for us tonight. Yeah. Um, gave us a chance to talk about ODU, cutting a game short. So that's good. Um, 55 minutes. Yep. That's right. <laughs> what we really want to talk about tonight is men's hoops. So having covered uh, women's hoops last week, we want to look ahead to next week's opener against um, a fake college. Oh, can we just kind. touch on one thing with the women yeah. real quick? Oh, yeah, yeah. I came out of our chat with, with Coach O being like, oh, man, he's got a tough job this year, you know. It, it really made it sting all that much more that the way last year ended and they didn't get to go dancing. Cause I was like, he's got a major rebuild, man. There's, you know, you've got mm, Kiki mm. and then, and then boom, what, two days later, they're picked, to, they're picked to repeat, yeah. um, which is amazing. And I think it's a huge credit to coach O and the program. And I think we can't also downplay the fact that, you know, having um, William and Mary, you know, the best player, arguably the best player in the conference opt out, certainly open some doors, but man, that that's a huge sign of respect when you basically turn it over four fifths of your start, not basically you are turning over four fifths of your starting lineup and your pick to repeat. That's, that's exciting. That's really um, exciting. But I think they have the best play. I mean, right. They probably have the best player. I mean, they have arguably, they certainly have a top two, three player in the conference. They have a track record of success. And I don't think Kojo was a little, yeah, I think he was a little hesitant because he hasn't really seen them on the court in a game situation, but obviously between the, the particularly, you know, there was one incoming freshman he was really excited about. You could read between the lines and tell, mm-hmm. and a couple of transfers that are potentially, you know, impact players. I, I think it's hard. It's funny because we're about to switch and talk about another program who has the best player in the conference and a bunch of transfers. Yeah. <laughs> but there seems to be a lot more back around the conference in the men's side, mm-hmm. or at least known commodities. The women's side, without the William and Mary kids, seem like there's just so much turnover yeah. this year that you know everybody's seen Kiki Jefferson play. They've seen Coach O's teams. I think there's some sense that 
they're as ready to go as everyone. Um, I couldn't tell if he was, I don't think he betrayed whether he was like, I don't think he was like super confident or, I mean, he wasn't positive or negative. He just is ready to get the season going. (laughs) Like, you know, um, but yeah, that's a big compliment to what the legacy of JMU women's basketball in the last 15, 20 years. It's a fantastic. When your top returning player is a sophomore. And you're picked number one league. It just says a lot about the program. Yeah, and you lost the conference player of the year. You're bringing back a sophomore and a couple transfers and a freshman, and you're picked to win again. Yeah, it's huge respect to Coach O, Coach Brooks before him, every and all the players through that system in the last 15 years. Really so didn't mean to cut you off. I just no, no, that no. Was interesting. I know that's awesome. And then look on the men's side. There's only three things we know, Rob. <laughs> one is Matt Lewis. Uh, conference player of the year, uh, preseason player of the year, chosen this last week at media day. Uh, Matt Lewis is back for the Dukes. The second is they're playing in a beautiful new arena that by all accounts, including when they let the media, including some friends of ours come tour the facility last week, everybody seems to agree. It's a home run. Um, you know, coach O talked about that as well, but I, I wouldn't expect anything less from the coach, but it was pretty cool to see some, some media members, including some who cover, uh, some programs around the state, UVA and VCU, for other outlets, uh, become away really, really impressed with the new arena. And third, we know we have a new coach, Coach Byington, coming over from Georgia Southern. Uh, we're kind of excited about his his resume and w- what he built down there. The idea that he worked at another school that was kind of a football first, basketball afterthought school and built them into a consistent winner is very exciting for us. He felt like uh, a guy... I think we both talked about this, right? He just feels like a guy who was on the right track for it, what we would like to see, the kind of guy we'd like to see. We were hoping JMU would hire. Yeah. And um, one thing that know. I don't know if you followed it all, but recruiting, he got some big, he got a couple of big oh, signings yeah. out of Georgia. Yeah. So that um, was the other thing. I mean, the other, we'll get into all the unknowns, but I figured those were the three things we knew is Lewis, yeah. the arena and Byington. After that, we're going to talk about a whole ton of names. I don't know the first damn thing about half these kids, right? Um, there are five transfers in the program this year, four, at least four of which, from what I can... I thought there were there five? I think there's five, but at least four of which are eligible now. So uh, we'll get to that in a second. But um, yeah, <laughs> there's a whole boatload and some highly touted freshmen. Um, and of course, a couple guys back, right? So we know we're going to have Matt Lewis, playing the one or the two, right? Uh, somewhere on the court, you're going to have Matt Lewis. After, you know, Zach Jacobs and Michael Christmas are the only other two names that really jumped out at me from last year, Rob, that are expected to play, uh, you know, significant parts this year, unless I'm missing something. But outside of that, like everything else is a new face for this program, I think, right? Yeah, for the most part. Um... So they bring back, they're bringing a, a big transfer Uh, 6'10", center, Joel Mensa from San Diego State. Um, Well, from Ghana by way of San Diego State. Uh, He played high school ball in Southern California, too. He did. And SDSU, I mean, we're talking about a team that's been in the top 10 throughout much of the last two seasons. So he's only a junior. I mean, he's coming over with a couple years left. I I don't know if it's Joel or Joel, but incredible. I mean, obviously, uh, high hopes, right? 6'10". He's the only guy on the roster taller than Jacobs. <laughs> so I'm, I'm yeah. really excited about him. I'm really excited about him. I mean, you don't see a six ten guy from a program like San Diego state come to the CAA very often. And he was a, 
three he star, played. four star in high school, four, depending yeah. on which one. Like I think it was four star center, three star for rivals, uh, playing the forward. So like different positions. He's kind of thin, but he's six ten. That's big time size. You know that that's Nathan Knight type size. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Nathan Knight who might, God willing, might even see his name get called in two nights for the NBA draft. Really oh, yeah. dominated the league last year, at William and Mary. Sure. Yeah. Um, JMU has not had a really skilled big man since Denzel Bowles. Uh, right. Obviously, the game has changed. There's there's not mm-hmm. a lot of back to the basket type playing anymore. Mm-hmm. But just six ten, a rim protector, that's a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. William and Mary finished second in the league last year because they had two towers up front. They had that guy who they had the one transfer a night, and the transfer oh, Kansas yeah, yeah. something was like seven feet and six. That's game changing with him. And if you have you know. Him playing the five and Jacobs playing the four. I have high hopes for Jacobs. I don't think he's going to, you know, you've been big on Jacobs for quite a while. Yeah. I think he's a glue guy. I Mm -hmm. think he's, and I think on this sort of team as a senior with new pieces, I I think that he will be used better under Byington. I think he's pretty good defensive player. He's a good rebounder. I, I never was comfortable with Rose rotations. I could never figure out what was going on. Yeah, I really didn't like the way that he played Jacobs, mm-hmm. and I didn't like the way that he played uh, Christmas. Yeah, so I'm optimistic that just even if it's reduced minutes or the, I don't even care about starting, just having more consistency, I think will help both guys. Yeah, and Jacobs is just a solid player. He's not going to be he a is. superstar, nope. but he's a guy that could get you like, you know, eight and six every night, and that would be really good. Like that, yeah. that's all they need. You know? And he could probably give you, you know, 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes on the opposing team's best big player. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he can know, guard multiple positions. Right. He can guard can big guys. He can even get on the wing a little bit. Wing a little bit. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to take on a small, you know, point guard or something, but, but he can play a lot of places. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, there's some rebounds there. I think Christmas is, you know, can, can fill a similar role. Uh, from what I we think saw. Christmas has a higher offensive ceiling. He may. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see how this fits together. I wrote down nine names tonight, eight of which I think are eligible. Mm-hmm. So Rob, you may be able to fill me in. Only one of them was a recruited freshman. So beyond that, there may be a couple other names, but I'm thinking about Byington's rotation too. And I'm thinking you could start to see a, a little bit of a, it's a little hazy still, but you can see the beginnings of a picture of a real rotation that we can understand mm-hmm. in a different way than we did with Roe, where it felt like there were guys who would play 15 minutes one night and not see the court for three nights after. Yeah. And I, you're just I, like, I, well, what's going it. on here? Like, I don't understand. You know, like if you're going to play Jacobs, play Jacobs, you know, yeah. like develop. And, um, you know, so that that's a tough thing. Um, they have. I know they have the point guard transfer from Mount St. Mary's uh, Morse who does come over. He's from Suitland originally. So I imagine he has, you know, a reasonable amount of uh, familiarity with the JMU program. Mm -hmm. Certainly probably knows some kids that have been through there um, eventually. The other kid, TJ Taylor, who's transferring from Wyoming is originally from Chesapeake. Another one, he kind of probably somewhere on the wing, you know, he's listed as like a guard forward combo and last time, um, Jamie, you had a basketball transfer from Wyoming. Yeah, I was going to say. Okay. Worked hopefully out okay with AJ Davis. Hopefully yeah. we won't have the bumps, you know, the the, the bumps and kind right. of hiccups we had with with him. But, yeah, it's that's exciting. That's another yeah. good one. And, um, and, and then I think Jalen Hodge, who's a transfer from Louisiana Monroe, um, at guard, I don't know the first thing. 
And then the only one I'm missing on the transfer front, I didn't, couldn't tell, Rob. I don't know if you'd heard anything about Rashawn Fredericks. I want to call him Rashawn because of Rashawn Goins, but he's it's not. He's the guy not. from UAB. It's Rashawn. Yeah, he's the guy from UAB and Cincinnati before that. Yeah. Um, went to the tournament with Cincinnati and played a good bit. Um, originally from St. Croix. He's a 24-year-old transfer. Uh, I imagine they didn't bring him in to sit. Like another one. I mean, we're talking about transfers from Cincinnati and San Diego State and UAB. These are these are real programs, you know, uh, bringing these kids over. So I'm hopeful that all of those guys are going to contribute this year. And then the only freshman name, Rob, I know, you'll you'll correct me on this. I I feel like I the Terrell Strickland name sticks out to me, but well, I yeah, think that's there's Rod couple, Strickland's son. This Rod Strickland's kids, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, there may be a couple others that are due to play, but. I mean, that's nine kids there. And to me, it seems like I can't believe they got. I'm so happy that Matt Lewis came back. Yeah. I, I, you know, for his sake, probably more than anyone, I hope that there's a season and a full season this year because I don't know much about all these guys around him, but it sounds like there's talent and putting it around a guy like that. It's just, it's exciting, you know, and it's got to be motivating for, I, I hope. I mean, you never know how these things go, right? I think of the 2013 team that we love, but was kind of a odd, you know, it was a spare parts team as well, you know, with kind of an odd transfer Juco roster that turned out to be really successful, but also maybe wasn't, wasn't the long-term solution. You know, a bunch of these guys are juniors, the transfers. So most of them are juniors. Yeah. I mean, Mensa and Morse both have a couple of years left. So I think we're likely... Yeah, that's encouraging and and hopefully they have you know a fourth you know fourth and fifth year in mind but i i don't know rob i one thing they have on this team they don't have a huge size but they have a lot of like a lot of guards mid-level size they don't a lot, have a lot like of guards a, yeah i mean morse is the only guy on the team that i think of as being a smaller player i mean they yeah a lot of guards but but also a lot i mean jacobs christmas frederick's Taylor, and Wooden, we forgot about Wooden those, from last year. Wooden's a, a carryover Wood, yeah, from, yeah. from one of the from right. Rose team. Um, so. I don't know. I think they can do a lot. Uh, from what I've read, Byington mm-hmm. plays a little bit more of a defensive pressure game, which is something I I always wanted Rowe to do. I thought they had the athletes where they could have gone deeper and, and played more full court press. They did it mm-hmm. occasionally, mm-hmm. but like everything else in in the Rowe tenure, it was kind of fleeting. You know, they'd do it a couple games and then they'd back off or, or when I thought they would really should be putting the hammer, put the hammer down, they would stop pressing. So be a lot of that. So I expect that like most coaches in America, Byington mm-hmm. really has no idea what he has at this point. Um, okay. And we're going to see a lot of different lineups. I'm guessing you could see, you know, nine, maybe 10 man rotations mm-hmm. for the first couple games yeah, until you really get into the conference freshmen. play good players so yeah good recruiting class too yeah i think you know lewis is obviously going to start i think we're going to see christmas or wooden probably one of the forwards i think jacobs will probably start just by virtue of being a senior but i expect mensa to get tons of minutes Mm -hmm. um it could even be you know that that could flip-flop like Mm -hmm. johanny dallenberg Remember when he kind of oh, yeah, emerged yeah. late in his mm-hmm. freshman year where he took the starting role? Mm-hmm. And again, I think Jacobs is perfectly suited where as a senior, a guy who's been through the ups and downs, just wants to win. He's like, seems like a good team guy. I could even envision by the end of the season, if things are going well, him being like the sixth man and coming mm-hmm. out. Like, um, mm-hmm. well, I don't know. I'm very excited 
to see Strickland develop. Just I was a big fan of his father, so yeah. I'm not, not going to get any deeper than that. But um, so I don't know that they, they play better. Byington seems also played a lot faster. That was one thing that that Rode did last year, and he had great not great success, but had decent success prior to the new year, and then everything fell apart in the conference seasons. But yeah, um, but Lewis is a guy who seemed very comfortable in that sort of system. Sure. Going up and down the court. Um, he averaged nearly 20 points a game last year. Mm-hmm. When there was not really any sort of offensive system. Mm-hmm. We watched nearly every game, Todd. I mean, you, Oh, yeah. You, and it was not. We have pretty. no idea what the hell that was. Like, the only thing we knew was, was JMU. Right. Like, no. We don't know what they were trying to play. As I mentioned earlier, they were kind of up and down and playing very fast. And then it was just the wheels came off. There's no idea. So, I don't know. It's just. It's a bunch of unknowns. And you look across the conference, you've got Hofstra picked top. Deservedly so. They've won the regular season the past two years. Should have gone to the tournament last year because they won the CAA tournament. But oh yeah, Mahalich I mean, yeah. is out. Their coach is out for undisclosed medical leave. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I mean, it's great. It, there were you don't know what's going on first there. Place votes. Yeah. Um, in the coaches poll, I mean, Hofstra and Delaware – took the lion's share of those, but they were pretty evenly split even at the top. And then Drexel and Towson both took a couple votes here and there. Well, the Drexel's only got, real short. Yeah. Drexel's got two guys on the all CA team yet. They're picked third. Right. Um, and if you look at it, like, wow, two all CA players, they were like six and 12 in the league last year. They were yeah, not yeah. good. <laughs> no, not good I at mean, all. Delaware was very good. Delaware has been trending up under Inglesbury. Mm-hmm. They lost their best player, Mutz, transfer Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. but they've got some other guys coming back who are all league potential. Mm-hmm. Um, Towson has a very kind of weird situation going on where their top player is a guy who transferred from New Mexico after playing Towson his first two years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's coming um, back to Towson. Come yeah. back to Towson. So, like, yeah, he's the a only sure guy. thing at Media Day, or the, the only thing that everyone agreed on was that William Mary is probably the, the basement. Um, yeah, you know, JMU was ninth out of ten, but they weren't. They were more in the sort of six through nine range. In congl- they just happened to be the bottom of that range. It's such a and classic. William, it really fell off the cliff after that. You know, going all the way down to it seemed like everybody picked William Mary last, basically. So it's such well, a classic CA thing. We're like, yeah, you've got your four, worst team. Five, you've got nine. three or four teams, and they put everybody else in a hat. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say you you got to count on just by virtue of the fact that they do it every year. You can't pick Northeastern in the bottom half of the league. Cohen is no, the best coach. Cohen in the is the best coach. Cohen is, it, I mean, mm-hmm. he's at a school that it's not exactly a hot spot for college sports, not a big college basketball town in Boston. Mm-hmm. He just continually gets the most out of his players. Mm-hmm. It's like it, the, the, the surest bet is that Northeastern will at least make the CAA semifinals. So mm-hmm. that's the team that scares me. I think he is just an amazing coach. And I think they will overperform like they always do. Yeah. Hofstra, I think, will be very good. I, I'm I high on say Delaware. Fe- e- even, yeah. with, even with losing um, the transfer Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. I think they're very good. I think Inglesbury is a good coach. It's mm-hmm. a quiet situation going on there because it's Delaware and who knows what's going on their football program. But they've done well. They've improved every year under him. I think they will be very good. I don't know if I buy Towson. You know, they're, they're kind of – Mm-hmm. They, they did very well last year, but I think they graduated four guys or four starters. Mm-hmm. They've got Martin coming back, who's excellent and mm-hmm. very good. But that's an odd situation. A guy transferring back into the program. This is a weird year. That's a very weird situation. So mm-hmm. it's wide open. Super um, wide open. 
I absolutely have no problem with people saying I'm voting JMU second to last because we have no, they're Matt Lewis, Zach Jacobs, and a bunch of unknowns. Great. But I think those unknowns on paper look to be more talented than, than recent JMU teams. Um, It's just a matter of the mesh. And like everybody's talking about the guys JMU lost with Wilson and Banks and yeah, they were, they were talented basketball players, but what was the end result? They finished near the bottom of the conference. Like it's, it's no big loss. I I wish those guys well, but they did nothing. They did absolutely nothing for years, you know? No. And it's, it's wild to think about the fact that, Matt Lewis is the preseason player of the year for the conference and they're on the team. They picked ninth out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is crazy. And I, I don't know. I'm really hopeful for Lewis. If they get, if they get this season, you know, if they, if they are healthy and can play throughout, I mean, nobody deserves a chance to be in a well-coached group more than Lewis. Right. I, I mean, he has never done anything, I mean, he's never put a foot wrong at JMU. He's just been in awkward, weird basketball situations. Like, I mean, his first two years, we talked about all the time, he was sort of forced to play point guard when he really wasn't ready to be a college point. I mean, it wasn't He didn't play point in high school. He didn't play point in high school. He he was a shooting guard. Yeah, and they just, he was the only guy even capable of doing it. it. And then last year, they're in this weird, they tried to change the offense and, you know, he's just never had the guys around him. And I just... I and from like the, is, and from like late January on, that team yeah. was dead man walking. You knew Roe yeah. was gone. It was a terrible situation. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Lewis could really thrive. And he's always struck me as a kid who, you know, he's the kind of kid who's good enough to be picked as the preseason player of the year. But he's not like, um, like in the last two minutes of the game, he's not a, I have to have the ball every second player. Like he's going to make the right play. Yeah. I mean, he's not, it, it, you know, I... There, he's not like a just a ball ball first point guard that you think of. You know, he's a team player from everything we've seen all through this crazy career that he's had at JMU. I'm super hopeful about the talent level at JMU this year and the wide openness of the league. I'm also this this is going to sound terrible, but I didn't know going into this, Rob, and we've seen it in football. Football hasn't really mattered, like. If if every team only has like forty percent fans, that's not enough fans to like give a super home home field advantage in football. Mm-hmm. But in basketball, I do feel like we're getting to the point. I was thinking originally like, oh man, Northeastern's definitely not going to have fans. Hofstra's not going to have any fans. What if like you know Charleston has a bunch of fans? Is that going to be a weird, unbalanced thing in the league? it's the way things are looking now, it looks like most of these teams are not going to have fans or, you know, a minuscule amount. I mean, I don't see like a super home court. Yeah. You know, it's going to be pretty fanless. I mean, it's trending that way for the whole conference. And I think it's going to come down to, I mean, we saw it in the NBA bubble, which team gels together, likes each other and really enjoys playing the game, you know, and teams like the heat and the nuggets, we saw it at the NBA level, like, if they like each other and they want to play and they want to compete, you can do well in this environment. And if you need the extra energy from external sources, that's not going to help you. <laughs> like, so I, I mean, who knows? We, we have no idea. I have absolutely, like you said, I have no problem with the coaches and everybody, the media picking JMU to be ninth. 
it also would not like I would be pleasant. I wouldn't even be that surprised. I'd just be pleasantly, mildly surprised if Jamie won the conference going away. <laughs> like I have yeah. no idea what to make of this. Well, I've know? got to think though, the fact that they were picked ninth, pretty routinely, and it wasn't like controversial. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, there, there are too many unknowns. But Lewis was kind of the runaway favorite for conference player of the year shows you how much better he is potentially <laughs> than anybody else in the league. And the, yes, there could be guys that come out of nowhere and guys develop, but like based on the actual resume, that's where there's nobody that matches up. No Lewis averaged what, like 19 and eight last year or something. Mm-hmm. These other guys that join him on the all CA team are very good basketball players. Yes. But they're very good basketball players who people are projecting to take the leap. They're yes. guys that average 11 points yes, or 13 points and seven rebounds. That's awesome. You average double digits in any conference in college basketball. You're, you're a heck of a player and you deserve uh-huh. to be applauded. But it's people projecting like, okay, these guys are going to get better. Of all the guys that averaged between that eight and 14 points a game, I'm thinking these other four are the ones that are going to elevate their game. Yeah, But Lewis already is at that level. So mm-hmm. he already, I'm like, he is just like next level. It's just yeah. he's a, he's a he's a step above these guys. Yeah. And, and, if he just and gets Lewis is playing for, I mean, he's probably hoping for a pro career somewhere, you know. So yeah, I anticipate, you know, he's going to continue developing his game. It, it, I don't I don't know. I'm just excited. And you look up and down this roster of the 15 guys, and there's talent. I feel like there's talent on this team. We've said that for years with Rose teams, and it never materialized for a variety of reasons. Um, but I just have high hopes again. Maybe it's just n- the new, the new guy at the helm, but you know. I do too. And with transfers, you never know. Like you, you can look at transfers in one of two ways. You can say like, Oh, they were never, they never got their fair shot. Or you can say, Hey, they never lived up to their, their hype. Right. Denzel balls is a guy that right. you know yeah, yeah. Was, was highly regarded out of high school. Where was he? Texas, Texas A&M. A&M. Texas A&M. Yeah. Um. Came back and like he didn't have a lot of playing time. Okay. He earned. A, he was pretty dominant when given the chance. Yeah. I don't think Mensa is going to be that dominant. Mensa was really highly regarded, mm-hmm. and in a San Diego State program, went someplace that was better than Texas A and M. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, he was at a top ten program. Yeah, he was at a top ten program. Yeah. That's legitimate talent. Yeah. You know, and that's somebody coming home. This is a this is a unique situation. These guys are coming together. You can see a million reasons for this to go wrong, but you also can see a million reasons why in this really, really weird year in 2020 with COVID, how this team in a great situation might actually be bonding more and might be gelling. And it could yeah, all come I don't together. know how to I don't know how to interpret that. I feel for these kids. Um, we talked about it with Coach O last week on the women's side. You know, it's tough for these. I, I feel oh, for the transfers, brutal. right? Brutal, you like know, that, they're coming in, and, but but that doesn't mean you're not closer with your teammates, as he said. Like well, that's the only people they actually, hang out with, right? Yeah, like, like that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like you could actually be closer. This could kind of accelerate mm-hmm. the process of bonding mm-hmm. because you've narrowed that bubble. You're only mm-hmm. with your guys, and I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about this as step one. I'm not going to get overly excited <laughs> if they win it. well yes i will i absolutely will. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will go yeah. crazy and i will, I, will rib- be- I mean i have to get flow sports again now yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's the they better not lose the lancaster bible on wednesday that's all 
I don't know. And I've never been happier, Rob, for, um, I mean, this is terrible to say, but I did see those first couple of games next week are, are noon games, um, like on weekdays. Yes. <laughs> and in a work from home world, I have no problem with that. Right? Well, I'm home this week. I got to go to site next week. So I will not be able to see it. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, um, actually Friday, I guess it's the day after Thanksgiving. So they, they do put, they play Lancaster Bible college. I, I assume that's from Lancaster, Pennsylvania and is a D three school or an NAIA on Wednesday. It's kind of an exhibition. Uh, the women kick off on Thursday, either Wednesday night or Thursday night. Um, they're the first official game, um, at the Atlantic union bank center on Friday, the men play Norfolk state comes to JMU next Friday, or at least they're supposed to at noon. That's um, actually a pretty good game. Yeah, no, they, they, their they're, first they're couple games. To, yeah, they're yeah. picked to finish pretty high in their conference. Yeah, so. it's a little mini tournament. Actually, they're having Norfolk State and Radford are coming for the weekend. So Mike Jones there's like a, a Norfolk of, State game. And then fans. Saturday, Norfolk State plays Radford at JMU. Like, And then JMU plays Radford on Sunday at 7 after Thanksgiving. So, yeah, those are both legit games. Um Norfolk State and Radford, assuming they're both played. And then, um, you know, they have about a week off and December 7th, Old Dominion comes to town. So yeah. that's pretty, pretty exciting times. Uh, Did and then you they play Georgia. Yeah, they play Mason in Richmond. So I don't understand how that works. But it's because I think Mason's got another game, maybe against VCU or somebody, and they're trying to yeah. limit travel. So they're doing like these many, not a pod, but just trying to have JMU kind of go to them. Um, gotcha. It's going to be an interesting season because I think there's going to be a lot of adjusting on the fly. Sure. Um, already. Speaking think- of, what do you think? I mean, that's the whole thing, right? I mean, I, <sighs> there's some JMU plays a, a, an actually exciting out of conference schedule yeah. for the men, right? Yeah, they play ODU. Good. They're supposed to play Norfolk State, Radford, ODU, and George Mason, all in-state schools, which we would be happy to play in any year. And then they're supposed to go to East Carolina and Florida. Uh, to round out their non-conference schedule, I think both in both East Carolina's, you know, eminently winnable, right? I mean, a very win- winnable sort of step up AAC type game. And then going to Florida, we would love that any year. They are supposed to open their CAA season January 2nd against Towson. And Rob, I guess what I'm wondering, seeing, reading the tea leaves the last couple of weeks, you know, what what happens here, right? I mean, do we think do we think they get through this out of conference schedule? I, do we think that things change and they just go to a conference only schedule? I the only thing we know for sure is that the most important thing for college athletics at the Division One level across the country is to play some form of an NCAA tournament in this spring, right? Yeah, I I don't know. I went for a bike ride today. Yeah, and I was thinking about this stuff and. Like most people, I completely kind of crapped on the ACC coaches proposing a, you know, everybody comes to the tournament approach. We're like, every just open tournament, let everybody come. Because mm-hmm. I thought it was just a blatant money grab and it was just them trying to get their random seven and seven teams into the dance. <laughs> into the tournament, yeah, yeah. But now I'm thinking like – well, they're, they're, I don't think their intentions were genuine. I think they were just trying to get this. <laughs> they were to trying to just make sure that, yeah, yeah, that Wake Forest got in there somehow. I kind of feel like that might not be the worst idea to just throw everything up in the air and say, Let, let's get weird 
and let's try to make this happen. Old-fashioned Indiana high school barn yeah. burner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that matters this year is having a March Madness. And it doesn't need to be in March. I don't understand the NCAA's insistence that it won't be April, it won't be May. You need to have a tournament. You need to have that television revenue for the sport to continue. And I don't mean sound like an alarmist or a crazy person. I don't think the sport to continue. I think sports to continue at most of these schools. Like it it is, (laughs) it's a big deal. You need for the non power five football schools. So what are there like 60, even some of those schools, even some of those schools, there's like 60. Yeah. There's like 60 or 70 schools in the power five for football. But outside of that, there's 300 more Division One programs in basketball, and most of them 351, I believe. Yeah. yeah, most of the others completely rely on the money that is funneled to them from the NCAA tournament yep. or to their conferences. Um, we've already seen, and, and we'll I'm sure we're going to cover this at great length in December, Rob. But we're seeing some movement in the FCS football ranks just in the last week. Right, a whole lot of shuffling going on in the MIAC, and now some. I, I think not just smoke, but so, some real smoke-filled rumors out of the South for like the Southland A Sun. Yeah, some of those teams down Big South, that group of schools down there. Um, you know where we might end up with some kind of A Sun football that steals from a bunch of conferences but actually kind of but actually makes potentially makes sense be awesome like from a geographic and financial sense yeah like from an fcs standpoint and from an fcs standpoint league yeah Yeah. so um you know i I think schools are thinking ahead and no doubt they got to play this damn tournament and i don't i'm like you i don't care if it's in march i know they want to call it march madness play it when you need to play it um gambling drives this tournament Let's be frank about it. And I think people will enjoy gambling on this tournament whenever it takes place. And, you know, I know it, it, it will get harder, I guess, for the schools at the very top um, as their kids are eyeing the NBA draft. <laughs> but but for the rest of it, they got to play the tournament and they got to get there somehow. And to me, it seems like for if you're the CAA, I ho- I'm sure that they're having these conversations but you got to put your heads together as a league and find a way to produce at least one, you know, hopefully multiple teams that are prepared to go to the tournament at full strength whenever it takes place. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's that a scary part. It's playing even, the conference season. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you know. I don't know what the answer is, but I can't believe I'm saying this. I actually agree with Rick Patino. Who was saying push it back? I know, I know. Rick Patino, who's, I mean, and this is well, a guy. to make strange bedfellows, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you talk about somebody who's just being pragmatic. This is, there's not a moral bone in that man's body. No. But he's just saying, like, we got to push it back and we got to make this thing happen. Like, you could say, like, if everybody's really clearing off campuses between Thanksgiving and Christmas, then yeah, it's the absolute perfect time. Go get these little mini bubbles. That's not what ha- what's happening. And we've got people going to all these little different tournaments and traveling. It's a recipe for disaster. The virus is spiking. We've got people going home for Thanksgiving, people coming for, th- for Christmas. You just need to get the games played in conference play and then get to the tournament. None of this stuff matters. Nobody's going to tune in 
in insignificant numbers to like a November matchup or an early December matchup. Um, we all love the great Alaska shootout and all those things that ain't happening this year. Just get conference play done safely and then have some form of a tournament. Yeah. I, I just it, push it back. I don't know why they're so intent on making it March madness versus the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And as we talked to coach O last week, I mean, get your minimum number of games in, in the conference play. And if the conference tournament has to be, you know, four teams <laughs> instead of a bunch, or if there is no conference tournament and we just pick the winner of the regular season, I, I don't really care. Um, find a way to get one or two eligible CAA teams to the tournament at full strength. Um, that's the most important thing here. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't know what to say. I, I guess, I mean, things are probably certainly don't, they're certainly way out of our control. Um, and I feel for the kids who are ready to play and the coaches who are ready to play, uh, you know, and, and uh, JMU schedules an interesting thing, right? They play their first game the day before Thanksgiving and they play their they By the time they hit conference play, it'll be after new year's. So they will not have had any students, uh, you know, they will have been in their little bubble there in Harrisonburg pretty much throughout the end of November and all through December uh, with a li- fairly limited schedule. I guess if they lose the out-of-conference games for COVID issues on either team, it doesn't really matter. I assume they're not going to try to make up. I mean, I don't know. Maybe if you lose the Mason game, you try to make it up. But if you lose the Florida game, you're not you know, you scheduling another trip to Gainesville. Yeah, you just write it off, right? I, um, you know, I applaud JMU for and and these all these other schools, Norfolk State, Radford, ODU, Mason, for trying to make a schedule that makes sense for this season, East Carolina. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I, I hope JMU is ready. To, I hope. That, I mean, what I hope more than anything is, as we sit here and talk about this in mid-November, Rob, is that January second, when JMU is scheduled to go to Towson, that's the game I hope takes place. You know, really. yeah, I think you got to really, you just got to prioritize around that. Yeah. Got the you got, played. Um, yeah. It's a they weird a home situation. and home with Towson. Yeah. yeah. That Which road series at UNCW. Yeah. It will be fun to watch. <laughs> it would be a home series with Elon, a road series at Northeastern. It's weird. Right. Cause like, this is actually a situation where I would love to go witness these things. Like I would love to do a weekend road Me too. Trip. Me too. It would be awesome. And you can't yeah, do that. Like the entire reason they're doing it is because we can't have fans, but it's actually oddly compelling to me. Yeah. The they play like, Saturday, Sunday uh, road trip to Northeastern at noon yeah. both days on a, on a Sunday, Saturday, Sunday. That'd be super fun. Right. It's real. Like doesn't the Ivy league traditionally do like Friday, Saturday, uh, not the same team, but they do yes, travel they partners do. and they yes. just, you know, you do like, the Pac-12 always done this. Yale and Columbia, well. you know, Friday, yeah. Saturday. Pac-12 does this Friday, Sunday, or Thursday, Saturday thing, too. They do it's travel partners, it, yeah. In some ways, it's the most fan-friendly thing ever, and it's intended to avoid fans. I was thinking about Jamie. The JMU plays Saturday, January 9th, and Sunday, January 10th at UNCW, both days, 1 p.m. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how fun is that? Right? That's great. Yeah, take the kids of us. <laughs> right. Go to the beach because you ain't having any youth basketball. (laughs) Right, we got that email last week. Like, city shut down all winter sports. Yeah, I know. know. Actually, the good thing for me is my uh, assuming there will still be skiing. My nephew is like full ski team committed this year because there's no basketball. So he's coming down every weekend to go skiing. That's what that's what we're hoping. We're like, can we do the um, socially distance on the slopes? 
yeah. Friday afternoons type thing. Yeah, yeah. Bryce is getting its uh, both both lifts up and running, which may be dangerous in its own right for the older one of those two lifts. So, they yeah. also had the um, Mossy Creek Fly Fishing School there. What, they did. Week? They've had it. They've done yeah. really well with that. They, they apparently they put like eight hundred fish into a little Stony Creek there. Um, I, I hope they caught a lot of them because. <laughs> There isn't much else for them to eat right now, I don't yeah. think, in the little creek there. No, I've heard from a lot of people they've done that it's been really fun and they've gotten a lot of new new people out there, new anglers out on the water, Rob. Fantastic. So, yes. Um, I'm sure they're better than me already. Now, hopefully I will join their ranks sooner or later here. So you need to. I'm at, I'm yeah. in Wintergreen this weekend and trying to fish the other Sony Creek up there. Nice. So, nice. You got a big run. I'm sticking with it, Rob. So far, so good. Eight weeks down, 18 to go. How many miles do you do? I did about 12 this weekend. Uh, I did the first long, really long run. I had done one that was like nine a few weeks before. So, And this one was like up in the mountains. So it was, yeah, it was fun. Actually, okay. Old man legs are recovering okay. So (laughs) a little little bit of sore hammy, but joints hanging in there. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, slowly but surely. Rob, we wanted to get into some overtime tonight. We had some great suggestions. We wanted to tell a few of you, a, a bunch of people, or a couple of people suggested various Thanksgiving items. We are definitely going to touch on one of those next week as we enjoy, you know, sort of a holiday weekend. Don't, don't think we won't talk turkey and other Thanksgiving dishes next week. And then we got a good suggestion from everybody, Rich, about um, sort of all-time best CAA basketball players. We love that suggestion. We might need to recruit an expert like Brian Mull or one of our, you know, one of our other CAA experts. Brodsky uh, so could be good. Brodsky, Brodsky could be Brodsky good. Brodsky or Jerry yeah. Beach or somebody. Jerry, we, yeah, we might have to recruit yeah. one of the the old school crew uh, yeah. to, to do that episode. And we certainly need to study up a little more on that one. Um, if I overlook Charles Jenkins, Jerry Beach will be like outside my house. Well, that was my first tomorrow. first one that came to my head when Rich tweeted. I was like, Charles Jenkins has entered the chat. Yes, that, yes, guy, yes. that guy was good. And that shot he hit mm-hmm. at Hofstra against JMU, that guy was, he was really, good. really, really good. Well, no, and I know we got to set the rules too, because I saw the CAA was putting out there. It's been 30 years since the Admiral, uh, you know, things. Is it former CAA schools? Or yeah, I was like, does it get this former CAA count? Right, I don't know. Yeah, that's so. why I went to Jenkins because I I think Rich yeah, suggested yeah. Odo Hodge, which would have been one of my tops, but I I kind of yeah. eliminated people who were no longer uh, affiliated with schools yeah. in the CAA. Right. Um. So, but but we will come back to both of those good items. So our one that we got suggested, um, Dave Butts, always a good. Uh, interacted with us for a long time. We really appreciate his sticking with us um, through the highs and lows. Uh, suggested our favorite JMU, I, I guess, branded item. So it could be something that we own, clothing, things, whatever. I, that was the, I, I think it's pretty wide open here, Rob. So I don't know what you were thinking. I know you know what mine is, but... <laughs> well, no, everything is wide open. I don't know okay. put restrictions on this. But, okay. Um, yeah. You can go first. I actually okay. don't have a ton of JMU stuff, believe it or not. Well, I, I kind of had two. One I one has gone to the buy and buy. I, I did buy a sweatshirt um, at the 2004 championship in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. That stuck with me for a long time and, and finally just ended up in tatters. 
uh, just wasn't going to last any longer. And, but my one is the, I still have, you know, the much loved visor um, for all of its fashion mm-hmm. nightmare that I bought at the, the right before the 08 app state game. Um, I think that was actually the first year of the new bookstore. And so it was the first time I'd really had the chance to like, just walk right in the parking lot and buy an item. Is that and the I, one with the uh, Duke dog on it? No, this is just the kind of, um, you know, the lines in the front. I don't know what you call those that like the kind of game it would be like a snapback if you were oh, yeah, in yeah. a hat, but it just says James Madison. Yeah, it has a Duke dog, but it's, it's the JMU and the Duke dog. It's not just a plain one. I don't actually wear it much anymore. I wear it running now all the time. It's my like workout visor. Um, I don't wear it to games anymore. I, I, it had sort of, <laughs> it had run its course and I was getting made fun of by uh, our, our rich and I's friend, Sarah, who went to the, the Dayton NCAA tournament with us. I think that was kind of its last official legs. Uh, but that thing, yeah, I bought that that night and I, we, we were talked about it last week, Rob, we were in the parking deck at halftime debating whether or not to go back in the game. And I was debating whether the visor was bad luck. And then I threw it back on and you know, the rest is history. Hmm. Throwing a visor for a Mickey Matthews team. How, how, how appropriate. Yes. Well, and then, you know, it was master's week this week too. So it just felt, felt visor appropriate. Um, I actually, I almost chose visor too. I've got a visor with a tiny Duke dog on it. I have no idea where I got it, why I got it. You Um, used to have that hat that just turned black over there. Yeah. Well, that was my, if you're talking about like things I no longer have, but my all time favorite JMU item. Yeah. It was a black, the game hat. Um, Yeah. The three bars. Yeah. I wore that thing pretty much every day at JMU from maybe sophomore year till I graduated. Yeah. Um, I passed it down to Yizzy. <laughs> I passed Alex. out. And that guy, he told me he got stopped on campus for like the next year or two. People being like, yo, why'd you take that guy's hat? Like it was just known. Like I was, I was the big, tall, goofy guy who wore that hat. And Yates, I mean, I loved Yizzy. Gave it to him because I loved him, but he said people were like come after him for it. Um, right. I don't know. Like, I don't, I, I have a surprisingly limited amount of JMU stuff. Okay. But yeah. I've, I've got one totally random thing. I was thinking about this really hard today. I've got this really old school Christmas ornament. I have no idea where I got it. It's like an old school Christmas ball, and it's, you know, the ones that have like, um, like the thread going around them. Like you probably seem like the, it should be like red or blue or whatever. Uh-huh. Not blue. It's freaking Christmas, red or green. Right. I've got a yellow one with an old school James Madison university Ooh. logo on it. And the Duke dog, no idea where I got it. It looks horribly inappropriate compared to the rest <laughs> of our Christmas ornaments. It's like 16 logos ago, but I just love it because it's just so old and random. And I've got a lot of other cool Jamie Christmas. I've got, here I am. I'm saying like, oh, I don't know a lot of stuff, but I've got a lot of Jamie Christmas stuff. Um, <laughs> you do. Yeah, I do. I've got the Jamie I Christmas like Santa, which is great. Good children. Yeah. Yeah. But just this old school JMU Christmas ball. It's fraying. It's I'm sure I got a picture of it someplace I could send you. Mm-hmm. I just really, really like it. I, I have no idea why. Um, I have no idea why I got it or where it's from. I'm sure it was like one of my sisters got it for me or my mom. It looks like something you got from like a thrift shop. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just like it. It's just kind of old and ratty and it's classic. Awesome looking. 
Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I do. It's yellow, like the purple, do. like silk screen yep. or something. Yeah, I just that's my favorite thing. I'm wearing a JMU hoodie, which okay. probably would have been second place. Yeah, that's by um, probably the one I wear the most now. Yeah, yeah. But oh, on our shirt, right? Our father of constitution, mother of all game day. That was going to be the other one. That yeah. that was very good. Because yeah. I will say, breaking tea not only has cool designs, very comfortable t-shirts. Yes. The old washed cotton, very, mm-hmm. very good stuff. So. My brother-in-law probably will never listen to this. I've already bought him a breaking tea caps item for Christmas. So oh, nice. yeah, that's good. Um, the uh, Rob, don't you think though, for you as you age, I don't know what will happen to Samuel's costume, but I yeah. feel like that's going to age really well, right? Yeah, that that like got if, broken if the again. cape and or the like crown slash Duke dog head, if any of those survive, that that thing's pretty darn cool. Yeah, right? yeah. And people don't know my my oldest is twelve. Last year, obviously, he's eleven. That's how time works. <laughs> um, he's very big on Halloween. And very big on mascots, and he created this whole Duke Dog Halloween costume. He and it was he invented his own Duke Dog costume. Yeah, Yeah, it's incredible. He scoured the internet and just bought like a random bulldog mascot hat, and then he found like a cape, and he found a purple crown, which he then pinned to the top, and he had a jersey, and he wore this thing all over the neighborhood. And people kind of looked at him like, "Oh, neat! You're like a football dog." But any JMU alum that saw him was like, like, oh, come here, come here, giving him extra candy. It was like full-size candy bars and and they wanted pictures and it was just awesome. And then like this year that came out, we didn't, the kids didn't really do Halloween. We had like a backyard fire pit and we walked around the neighborhood. So like the last minute we're just walking around the neighborhood, we're like, just throw something on. And so James put that on, Sam put something else on. It was a really, really cool costume. Yes. And then because we got it out. The kids like now wear like they put it on. They put on the Duke Dog hat to watch Danucci or yeah, you know yeah. for Jimmy Moreland or things yeah. like that. So it is pretty funny, but yeah. it that was proud proud father moment right there. There you go. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it was a quiet week from the Pro Dukes, um, unless I'm missing something. But we will be looking forward to. Well, the quietest moment was um, that Kyle or Murley thing would have been knocked out if Dean Marlowe had been in the game. That's exactly right. Yeah. So I, th- I think Marlo, I don't know. I don't think he played in this game. No, Marlo um, was out for a COVID contact the COVID testing. testing. Yeah. So he he doesn't have it, less I know. But yeah, I mean, I for at this point, I, yeah. I mean, there's no no stigma. And by anybody. the way, that I was just, one of the most amazing catches I've ever seen in my life. It was so good. It was just so good. I mean, the whole play was great because the throw was kind of ridiculous too. Um, but the catch was. You know, it's DeAndre Hopkins and the Texans are morons forever for oh, trading him away for now. But what? also Josh Allen's throw. Oh, it was, was a great throw. Absolute dagger. Absolute dagger. Yeah. That, that game, yeah. like I was, was watching, really I feel like I have this uncanny ability to always turn away or turn off the games, but I actually watched that one live. That throw was amazing. When Murray started scrambling, yeah. me and the boys were on the couch. We're like yelling. We're like, oh my gosh, time's going to run. Time's going to run. Time's going to run. And then you see that and you're like, there's no way that's being caught. I know. Um, that was and just- I didn't realize it was Hopkins until like, you know, he came down with it. And then you kind of, and you're like, of course it's Hopkins. Like, oh, I forgot Hopkins is on the Cardinals. And there, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Everything about that. The fact that he went up and got it 
was amazing. But then he came down without anybody else knocking it out, even inadvertently. Mm-hmm. Just seemed like just. <sighs> I by, by really hope. I really hope the NFL can have a healthy, healthy-ish playoff. Um, cause I'm really enjoying it this year. I'm watching it more than I have in a while because I'm not watching as much college without JMU. Yeah. And it's very exciting this year. And I don't, you know, I don't really believe in the Steelers. Like, I, I mean, that doesn't mean they're not good, but, but they're, I don't not, feel like they're not like the runaway nine and yeah. team. They're, this year has been so weird. And they caught, they caught a couple teams at the beginning with some COVID things, you know, at the right time. And, but I wouldn't be betting on them against the Chiefs, for example, right? I, I just uh, well, like I look at them and I don't think like, ooh, watch out, seventy-two Dolphins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet I also They're look good. at them and I'm like, well, they could make it to the end because they have Tomlin and you know some. Anyways, um, yeah, I'm not knocking the Steelers. I just it it feels very wide open this year in both sides, and I'm kind of excited in a way that I haven't been in a while. So, and with all the JMU guys being on actual teams right i mean yeah it's really exciting to think about seeing some jmu guys playing you know actual minutes in the super bowl so we'll we'll hold that hope till we till we don't have any more i mean your boys are going to win the division rob they really are we i was talking about that with my kids (laughs) and we're like man this stinks they're gonna go six and ten participation trophy of 2020 (laughs) yes screw up the draft pick and go like all that being said, I I actually think they're moving in the right direction. I they're the really one team like in the Josh. division that, that you wouldn't like. You feel better now than you did at the beginning of the season, right? Oh yeah, and right. I, and the other three teams in the division, I don't think you feel that way. Like no. so, yeah. well, Carson Wentz is a terrible quarterback. Yeah, the, he's a, the he's Cowboys and Eagles player. are probably still like most likely to win the division. Both of their fan bases hate their team. As Washington is like kind of, I think, about what we expected from them this year. And actually, at this point, rooting for the tank. It, it's the only division ever where your one game separates a home playoff game from Justin Fields. <laughs> like, Everybody's you know. trying to tank. It's going to yeah, backfire. I know, I know. Exactly. Everybody's trying to tank. Backfire. Yeah, yeah. It's going to backfire. You're going to have a whole bunch of teams getting stuck with whatever, some lineman from Cal <laughs> or something right. like that. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I'm weirdly optimistic and this wasn't just after they beat the eagles like no rich and i were texting a couple weeks ago like i really like joe judge and i was very skeptical mm-hmm. not when they hired him but when he started doing the like you know making guys oh, yeah. run laps and stuff yeah. like, whoa <laughs> oh, this is gonna end badly but the team plays hard they seem excited i think he did a great job handling the golden tate distraction mm-hmm. in a way that tate seems to be back on board mm-hmm. um I don't think Danny Dimes is, you know, the next Peyton Manning, but I do think he can be a not just serviceable but good NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I'm weirdly optimistic. Yeah. No, I, and I don't think anybody else in the division has any right to be weirdly optimistic. No, I'm certainly not. I, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't think so either. And I'm I'm rooting against the Eagles at this point. So whatever anybody else, yeah, it's fine with me. Well, it's just um, funny, like. Carson Wentz is the best player ever to come from North Dakota State. Yeah. And he's a bad football player. <laughs> he's yeah, just, he I mean, just I, is. Like, I obviously, mean, like, you know, coming off the Danucci game a couple weeks ago, it's hard to – but you're exactly right. It's just he's not – it's not there, you yeah. know? Yeah, it'd he's, be a real – He's not good. 
Right. He's, he's and, not good at football. No, no. And Danucci um, is Danucci had a number of of situation number of things going against him. Yeah. Um even if this turns around he becomes, you know, a terrific pro, he's not in the running for best JMU football player ever. That's that I think is a good way of looking at it. Yes, you know? you're right. Yeah, he's not probably even in the top 15. No, he's not. He's he's great. And uh, you and I yeah, are, yeah. are presidents of the Danucci fan club. Yes, absolutely. But he's not Charles Haley. He's not Charles Haley he's or Gary Clark or yeah, or exactly. Tony Lazat, you know, like, no, or he's not. Arthur Motes or yeah, no. Wentz is the top dog. Yep. And, and he's not good at playing football. No, right. So, so, anyways, it's Rob. It's been great talking to you. Look forward to whatever Thanksgiving nonsense we come up with next week. Hopefully, games are still scheduled for earlier or or for later in that week. Um, we'll have fun one way or the other. Everybody should check out. Don't you know? Go back. Check out. I know we're all going to have to re-sign up for Flow Sports this week to watch JMU basketball. Um, but check out the DNR stuff from Shane Metlin as well. Uh, a lot of good stuff lately. And the jamesmadison.rivals.com, the Dukes of JMU or whatever it's called. Um, both Medea and Metlin, you know, back at it, working away, um, giving us what little information we know so far. So <laughs> encourage you to go check out their stuff as well. So Rob, I will be looking forward to talking with you next week. Yeah, same All right. Have a good week, everybody. Go Dukes.